0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the interesting guests and conversations that we've had on JM and the A. And we'll start with Seth Levitt. Seth Levitt, the uh, CEO of Ables & Hyman, his company provided the hot dogs at the uh, Jerusalem U.S. Embassy celebration of the 4th of July. It was really a cool moment and a very interesting conversation with Seth Levitt. Here he is on this edition of JM Rewind at the Malcolm Siegel Network. JM in the AM comes from 6.13 here on a Thursday morning broadcast. Well, Seth Levitt's with us live via telephone. His name is familiar to our listeners. He is the uh, leader at A&H, Ables & Hyman, and uh, they've been involved with us in a million projects, kosher halftime show and summer grilling and a million different things over the years, which we continuously thank them for uh one of the things we were not involved with that they were involved with was really really cool uh yesterday as many of you know is the fourth of july and israel israel the u.s usa embassy in israel has an independence day celebration yeah it takes place before the fourth of july and the seth got to celebrate the 242nd birthday of the usa in Israel, and had the opportunity to bring delicious A&H hot dogs to some very prominent people and wonderful guests who were there for the big celebration. Seth Levitt, Abels & Hyman, welcome back to Jam in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. you got to tell us about the beginning. Good morning to you. you got to tell us about the beginning of this whole thing. So when were you first contacted that you could be involved in an American celebration of the 4th of July in Israel?
1: You know, it's incredible. Um, This all started, I have to actually thank my brother. My brother uh, made a bar mitzvah for his son uh, about a month and a half ago. And uh, I was sitting in his house uh, uh, after Shabbos, and he said, Seth, why don't you contact the embassy and offer your hot dogs uh, for the inauguration of the uh, move to uh, Yerushalayim? And I said, okay, let's see what happens. So we sent an email. That's Saturday night, and uh, by the time I got back to America uh, two days later, uh, I had an email from uh, the U.S. Embassy. Thank you very much for your offer. Um, While everything is taken care of right now for the uh, inauguration of the embassy in Yerushalayim, we are having a July 4th celebration, an Independence Day celebration on July 3rd. We're going to have about 3,000 people there, and we would love to have uh, you as a sponsor um, and if you can get us your hot dogs, please get us your hot dogs. And, uh, we were, uh, you know, we're not the only sponsor, obviously we were among, uh, so many sponsors, uh, incredible sponsors, uh, um, uh, everyone from Pfizer, uh, not everyone, but, uh, from Pfizer to, uh, American Airlines to, uh, Jack Daniels, Coca-Cola, even McDonald's,
0: yeah.
1: uh, Colgate, there were, there were tons of sponsors, but we were the only ones to have the, uh, a and H all beef kosher hot dogs. So this
0: happened on Tuesday, and you were there.
1: Yeah, we were, I was there for the event. It was an incredible event. There were so many uh, amazing people at the event.
0: Well, uh, we read that there were almost three thousand people there. Yeah,
1: there were, and, and it I was, was
0: a, and the official host, I assume, was Ambassador David Friedman.
1: And his first question to me was, why can't I get your salamis in Israel? (laughs) I love
0: it. (laughs) Did you
1: have a good good answer for him or not? (laughs) I said soon, soon. If you you can move the embassy to Yushalayim,
0: (laughs) we can have hot hot dogs and salamis in Israel as well. Uh, And if that does happen, please God, you'd actually make the product there or it it depends on what the circumstances will be? No,
1: we would actually make the product there like we did for the event. Hmm. Um, as you know, Abel's and Hyman is partners with HUD uh, go on right uh, that's our sister company uh, uh they're based in uh in Israel and um, uh, we they have a facility over there, about forty thousand square feet uh and they produce for Israel, the United States, Europe uh, so we have no problem whatsoever producing our hot dogs there none,
0: was, none, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: It was just a matter of convincing them that American all-beef hot dogs would sell in Israel. And I think right. after this event, there was nothing left to uh, convince them of.
0: I mean, it's 2018. The state is over 70 years old. And frankly, you know, I've been through the entire list in my lifetime of things that are not the same, quote-unquote, in Israel. I think hot dogs may be number one on the list all these decades. It's incredible
1: incredible um we know israelis will love our product yeah of course americans do
0: even and, if they have to pay more by the way they'll go for it because exactly, it's exactly because they get chicken hot dogs in israel turkey hot dogs they don't get a beef hot dog, and they just don't they do, do it bomb. well you probably know why because i don't know the procedure they just, don't, they just don't do it well when That's you have tough. hot dogs i mean I just, you know i gotta be careful i'm the first one to always say you're not allowed to say anything bad about israel but but the reality is when you're at someone's house and they serve you hot dogs in israel you know, any type of, of sausage-type item, it, they, it, for us, they just don't get it right.
1: You know what's amazing? It's amazing that uh, Israel, um, as a country, it's so incredibly uh, innovative advanced in so many fields from technology to pharma to water conservation. It's a country that's always on the cutting edge at creating and building,
0: right. but it
1: lacks one thing. One thing. It lacks a good kosher beef Hot dog.
0: You'd think they would have perfected it by now, huh?
1: You you would think, but uh, funny they haven't. And this is, I think, our opportunity to enter the market. And uh, you know, just like uh, we're leaders here and we're top-selling brand uh, for the glad kosher market in America, I think we can be leaders in Israel as well, and we can really take that market by storm.
0: Seth Levitt with us. He's of course Abels and Hyman. The um, the um I assume you had to make thousands of hot dogs for this event, right? We
1: did. We We made thousands and they were gone. They were consumed <laughs> and uh, the comments were, these are incredible. Yeah. Where can we find and
0: them? And you probably had people there that are living in Israel 20, 30 years.
1: Oh my goodness, it was, uh, you know, we, not as an endorsement but we met with, uh, I, I met personally uh, Michael Oren who was a former ambassador to uh, uh, the U.S. and now a member of Knesset. I met with Paul Brody who's consider the goodwill ambassador, sure. ambassador Mister Basketball, the Babe himself. Ruth of Israel. Right? Both, both uh, former uh, Americans uh, right. who have made aliyah, and they said this brought back such memories <laughs> of good quality hot dogs, and it was really. Uh, yeah, I wish you could have been there. <laughs>
0: You would I'm, have enjoyed yourself. I'm, I'm sure I would have enjoyed myself, and I would have been running around telling everybody, "You better go taste the hot dogs." <laughs> it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's just it, it, for for the for the Ole who's in Israel, for the Olim who are in Israel, and you know, I'm telling you, this is the only thing. Sometimes it's the only topic that people bring up when they ask what. He, they may miss the hot dogs more than they miss having Sunday off. That's how high on the list it is, and you, it, you usually Sunday gets a lot of attention. In those conversations. So
1: many people came up to us and said, "Oh my goodness, we bring hot dogs in by the suitcase full." Yeah, you know, from America because there right. were a lot of Americans at the uh, or former Americans at the event. Yeah, um, you know, it, it was really just so incredible. Do they have so, good?
0: Do they have good hot dog buns
1: in Israel? So <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we had probably a five-and-a-half or six-inch-long hot dog, and we had a three-inch bun that went I along knew it. with it. I knew but, it. But, but, but it was a delicious bun, and we had uh, sauerkraut, right. and we had our mustards and our sauces, and, and it just went so well together. So you
0: brought everything with you?
1: Well, our mustards and sauces are already available in Israel.
0: Oh, ah, cool. That's yeah,
1: cool. so... um uh, but the hot dogs, I brought the spices with me right. and we produced, the uh, batches in Israel and we brought everything with us and it took hours to set up. We were uh, right on the, uh, 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 perimeter, uh, the outside, uh, the, the event was held both, uh, inside, uh, an event space and there was a beautiful, uh, 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 yard where, uh, some of the food companies were s- situated and, um, you know, we were located on the outside and there were th- huge crowds around our our area, just uh, clamoring for more and more hot dogs. People didn't eat one, they didn't eat two, they had three, four. It
0: was incredible. I knew the buns would be too short. I knew it. (laughs) Because those Israeli hot dogs are way too small once they're cooked. Exactly. They make
1: very small hot dogs. It's incredible for such an innovative country. You know, lack in this one area, but you know, sometimes you, you miss the most obvious, and this is something that's really obvious.
0: Anyone listening now in Israel must be freaking out that there was an event that they were not at <laughs> where they could have gotten I, your hot dogs. I've
1: gotten so many uh, comments on Facebook. We started a, a Facebook page just for uh, Israelis or Americans living in Israel who miss a good quality A&H hot dog, and we have hundreds of people on our page, and uh, you know they they were upset that they weren't there.
0: Where but, do I find that? i gotta, I got to look that up.
1: Well, that will we'll certainly make you a member, but I, I, I did that uh, as a group uh, for uh, Americans living in Israel. Got it. Uh, but we'll, uh, and, and like I said, hundreds of people have joined, and, right. but, and, and and even on social media, this took off. I mean, people were taking pictures and posting it on Israeli foodie pages, and just an incredible event.
0: Seth Levitt, CEO of Abel's and Hyman. They would. Have, they could have used it for the World Cup. By the way, you know they could have sat that sat down and watched the World Cup in front of their TVs in Israel and had a really delicious hot dog. The same we would do on exactly. Super Bowl Sunday. You know they take their they take their soccer very seriously over there. <laughs> they do.
1: They do. They, it was. It was it, the whole trip to Israel was beautiful. For those obviously.
0: for those living in Israel, uh, you you will not give a timetable, right? You don't want to get anybody's hopes up and say by the end of this year or next calendar year that this is going to be happening. In all, you, all you'll say is you're working really hard to make it happen.
1: They've we We made hot dogs there it's doable uh we wanna do it right. We don't wanna just put it into uh, right. you know be, you know do it uh put into any little store we're negotiating with uh the the right people to uh market the product correctly and uh you know
0: it will be there very cool just a no one yet that's all yeah. Pretty amazing, I'll tell you. And the event, I'm sure, was just spectacular. I'm sure. I'm sure you met a lot of people you know from here, right? You had to, I you, saw
1: you had... the Lowers, uh, ah. Avi Lauer, who uh, I'm sure you know, <laughs> sure. and uh, Miriam knows, and. Sure. Uh, there are other americans that have moved to israel that we saw there and and of course don't forget the prime minister of israel was he was, he, he was at that. the event he, he was at the event did he did he have a bite of, did he event. did
0: he have a bite of the H A&H hot dog or unfortunately, not
1: unfortunately i <laughs> i can't say for certain if he did or didn't
0: uh, cuz he cause spent a, he spent you know years in the, in his education years uh yeah. here in in the united states he probably yeah. he he remembers what usa hot dogs are all about he, i'm sure he does yeah. i'm sure he does boy oh, boy So the prime minister, you said, the ambassador, who else did you mention? Michael Lauren?
1: Sheldon Adelson was there. Oh, wow. Um, Very cool. uh, The agricultural minister, whose name escapes me right now, was there. Very cool. Uh, Dor Gold was there. It was really uh, uh, incredible to see so many important figures in Israeli life at this event enjoying themselves. And uh, If I told you, licking their fingers (laughs) after eating these hot dogs, uh, because they were so good, and and going back for seconds and thirds.
0: Yeah, you don't have to convince us. I'm telling you, this is a big revelation that you yeah. had real American delicious kosher A&H hot dogs in Israel. No revelation for us that people uh, found it finger-licking good and they had three or four hot dogs uh, during their time there at the uh, embassy. Very, very cool. Well, yeah. Seth Levitt, uh, what can I tell you? I, oh, by the way, we should mention this is grilling season. This is really grilling season now. I mean, is. i mean you know we're not at the nine days yet we're in the we're the day after the fourth of july i mean you know how That's many right. people how many people had your hot dogs yesterday i can only imagine yeah i mean come on and uh, the whole array of products that are available between the uh the salamis and the uh different packaged items the uh I mean, there's a there's a lot to offer and um what's happening this summer? Are you making any special recommendations to people? Are you uh, encouraging them to use a different condiment than usual, trying to get them to taste something they may not have tasted yet on their hot dogs this summer?
1: No, no, no. We uh we actually just uh purchased a new packaging machine so we can increase our output because the demand has been so great. Wow. Uh it came in uh March and we've basically doubled our production over here. Very cool. Uh, Orders are are shipping uh, complete. Uh, Costco's, you know, taking by the uh, pallet load uh, to fill orders, and uh, we, we we even picked up uh, uh, to your uh, local listeners in uh, the Bergen County area, Cinch. Started carrying our product, which is a home delivery service. So now you can don't even have to go to the stores. You can you can order online or with their app, and they'll have the hot dogs delivered right to your house, and they'll put it away for you. The
0: Costco refrigerator. the Costco type package is what four times a regular package?
1: Four times a regular package, um, and we've also uh, put out uh, specials for customers and in, uh, the independent shops, which uh, uh, is made up of three times a regular package. Uh, you know. Banded together, right. and uh, just uh, such a demand for hot dogs. And you
0: have one mustard, or you have varieties?
1: We have varieties. We have a sweet and tangy. We have a deli mustard. We have a horseradish sauce, and we have a sandwich dressing. Very cool. We've had those uh, those for years. And you know, it's a one, you know, we pride ourselves. Everything that we do here at abelson and we try, we do the best that we can possibly do. And uh, a lot of love, not just from me, but. From the employees here, you know, they're, they're not employees, they're, they're more like family. Uh, everybody loves doing what they do over here um, because they know, you know, to put out a quality product, it, 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 it makes you feel good. Um, it makes you feel like you're doing something worthwhile. You're, it, it's something tangible. It brings a smile to people's faces. You know, like what you do, you know.
0: It's I, exactly pre- I you appreciate do. that. I've seen your operation up close and personal, and you're 100% accurate. By the way, uh, I, I have this habit. People who know me know this. I have this habit of rotating condiments. You know, I'm into something for a while, etc. I'm very into the horseradish sauce these days. <laughs> very into it. It won't, it won't last long. I usually go like two, three months, and I'll move on to a relish or back to ketchup or mustard. But I'm very into the horseradish sauce right now. It's really delicious. From our sauces, sauce, that's our top-selling uh, sauce. Really? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. I like that. There, you yeah. see that? I'm, uh, I'm trendy, as they say. You're in the, you're in the forefront. <laughs> I'm in the know. Well, there you have it. The CEO of Abel's and Hyman is Seth Levin. He's back from Israel. How did he spend his July 3rd celebrating the 4th of July at the Israeli embassy in Jerusalem with the prime minister, with the ambassador, with many other dignitaries and many other folks, 3,000 people gathered together, all of whom... Were a- those who were able, uh, they, they had three to four A&H hot dogs uh, in Israel, and for good reason, as we just discussed. Seth, welcome back, and great job. And uh, we look forward to actually walking into an Israeli supermarket one day and purchasing a package of A&H uh, hot dogs.
1: Mark my words, the- they will be there, and-, and we'll let everyone know where and when.
0: I cannot wait. Believe me, I cannot wait. This will be a very, very, very big major announcement that I can tell you. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. That was my conversation with Seth Levitt of a A&H, Abels h & Hyman. Next up is Jake Adler. Uh, recently, the um, OU, through its advocacy department, had a tremendous uh, victory. Uh, a test study is being done. A test case is being run in New York City to bring kosher food into some of the New York City public schools and to meet the needs of kosher food eaters on a regular basis. I discussed that with Jake Adler. Of the OU, here's that conversation on this edition of JM Rewind on the Naftulm Siegel Network. And I thank all of you for tuning in. Um, so many of you are likely aware of the fact, if you follow the news, that the um, the newly adapted New York City budget for fiscal year 2019 will include, for the first time, a program to provide kosher and halal meals for students. This program follows the comprehensive adequacy program by teach NYS. And its coalition partners, this new uh, kosher and uh, halal lunch program reflects the leadership of the New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson, Council Member Chaim Deitch. Both of them took active roles in guaranteeing that all students, no matter who they are, were a priority in the uh, fiscal year 2019 budget. Jake Adler is with us live via telephone. Teach NYS policy director can give us more insight into this very, very interesting development. Jake, welcome to JM the AM.
2: Thanks for having me on. It's a real, uh, real honor to be here.
0: I appreciate that, and thank you for joining us. Um, first of all, two things that I think are really important to point out to this audience. Number one, teach NYS, which till this point I think basically enjoyed a reputation, rightfully so, and and you know with proper with a proper uh, uh, you know complimentary tone um, as fighting for private schools, fighting for private schools, and uh, being there on the front lines when it comes to tuition and uh, different monies available for the government that should go as well, not only to public school but to private schools. It's pretty cool that you guys have expanded, or at least the way it looks to us, have expanded that whole mission, and you're concerned about Jewish and kosher-eating students who are in public school.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I think, um, just going back a second, I mean, I think I I would stress that... um, our, our number one objective at teach mys is to ensure that non public schools yeshiva's day schools uh, what have you are better safer more affordable um, and this this pilot program is really a it's a win win situation because we were able to create a pilot program which simultaneously helps um, uh, from kids who are in public schools and islamic uh, Muslim kids who are in public schools and at the same time can help the Uh, Begin to help Jewish day schools, yeshivas, and uh, Islamic schools at the same time. So this is a twofer. Um, Of course, our you know our core mission remains uh, to be um, to help combat the tuition crisis, uh, the much talked about tuition crisis, to help bring in more government funding to non-public schools. But where we where we see a situation where we can help, we can simultaneously help our our kids in public schools and our kids in non-public schools and, and other faith groups' kids in those same situations. Obviously, to win-win, we're going to go for it.
0: Oh, I totally get that. I think it's a great job. Jake Adler's with us. Uh, the second thing is this audience may not realize just how many kosher food adherents, how many kosher food eaters are in the New York City public school system. And I think that's also an important revelation for a lot of people in our community.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's... One of the um, one of the interesting parts of this whole campaign was that when we launched it back in September of 2017, um, this was kind of the confluence of a lot of different issues that have kind of come to a head over time. You may recall in September, the mayor Mayor De Blasio announced that from now on, going forward, every single kid in every single school in New York City is entitled to a free um, nutritious lunch. Right. And we and we kind of said, really. Even our kids, right? And the mayor was quick to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, even kosher and all kids. Uh, I mean, even even non-public school kids. Everyone except. Oh, uh, and then it was like read the fine print, except if we have absolutely no way of doing kosher and Hall. Um So we kind of said, "Wait a minute, that's not every kid we're talking about." Um, so that's that's kind of how the story started. What, but along the way, when we when we encountered the public school issue, one of the problems is. No one quite knows how many kids there are in public schools that need halal or need kosher food, um, in part because of a, a for a good reason, which is that the DOE doesn't track the right. religious observance of their kids.
0: Good point. Um,
2: thank thank God. Um, right. But that did lead to a um, that did lead to a little bit of an advocacy issue because we had to quickly get an estimate going. One of the reasons why we have a pilot program this year and not. A much larger program is because, frankly, the city needs to see what the demand is like in the different populations. Um, so, but you know, well, with, with, we're, with, we're looking forward to working with the city council, working with Speaker Johnson and, and uh, Council Member Deutsch to expand this as we see the demand. Right. Um, well, with which that, which we know is there, frankly. With that
0: in mind, do certain people need to pay careful attention to this and, and make it known in some special way that, that they want the kosher food? Like, is there something that the students and their parents need to do? Uh, in order to uh, you know get us to the point where this is going to become permanent,
2: you know, I think I think we made a, a great uh, step here, and I think it was it was really a historic step here. Um, I think over time, what we're gonna, they're going to roll it out uh, in limited in the public schools and, and the non-public schools. Really, it's going to be rolled out in a very uh, focused and directed fashion over the next few months. Um, my understanding is as that kind of feedback comes in in those focus areas. The DOE the will make an analysis, and they'll kind of. We'll have to work to, to to interpret that analysis with them and see where we can go from there. Right. But obviously, obviously, parents who have parents who are affected by this, whether they're in non-public schools, Jewish schools, yeshivas, you know, Islamic schools, whatever else, um, or public schools, frankly, if they're if they want to get involved, and they want to be. They want to make sure that the DOE and the people, you know, the policy stakeholders and everyone else understands the issue. They should feel free to reach out to us, obviously, um, because, you know, we're here to help. Um, And frankly, people, if you don't tell people that it's an issue, if you don't reach out to your council members and your elected officials and tell them that this is an issue that they need to address, um, you know, uh, politicians are many things, many great things. but They're not mind readers, necessarily. So I, I would definitely encourage people to reach out to me reach out to the local elected officials, that's how it's going to grow.
0: Well, there's information at OU.org. How do people get in touch directly with your department?
2: Uh, you know what? They can just uh, shoot me an email at jadler at OU.org. It's usually the best way to get a response. I'm on, I'm on my phone
0: 24-6. All right, so jadler at OU.org. The other interesting part for us on this whole thing, and again, folks, we're talking about the uh, the job that Teach NYS has done, with the city council's decision to create kosher and halal school lunch programs in the New York City public school system. The other thing that we find interesting about all this, it's no secret uh, that you know, for years, maybe we're going on you know, over a decade already, um, the, um, the religious communities of New York, especially the Jewish and Catholic um, uh, leaders, have worked very closely on the whole tuition issue. My question is... Um, I know that this decision was made by the city council and the creation of both kosher and halal school lunch programs. Did you guys work closely with Muslim leaders, Islamic leaders in New York to get this done, or is it just, you know, an effort that was made, you know, separately by the two groups?
2: No, you know, I, 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 um, number one, you're 100% right about the history of different groups working together um, and the New York State Catholic Conference and the New York Archdiocese, and our group and other groups, including Israel and other groups, have always worked together very closely on the tuition issue. At large, um, this issue was kind of a real, real great unifier between our our community and the Muslim community, the Islamic Schools Association, um, and and the various different Islamic leaders across this uh, the city. It, um, we definitely worked hand in glove with them. In October, we had a rally with. Muslim students Jewish students um Sheikh Musa Drama from the Islamic Leadership Academy in Brooklyn and Rafik Mohammed from Alisan Academy in Queens we've worked very closely with all of these communal leaders across the across the faith divide so to speak in the in the Muslim world um very proudly frankly cuz you know my opinion is if if our mission here for Qualisol and for the larger communities to accomplish a certain goal we are not in any position to turn down anyone's help uh, especially if they're in the same position as we are. So, you know, Baruch Hashem, we've worked very, very well with the Islamic community across New York State, but specifically New York City here. And this is one of the products of that uh, collaboration.
0: So, for instance, the press conference on the steps of City Hall, there are, there are people from our community and plenty of people from the Islamic community altogether.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually a beautiful visual. I can I can send you a picture offline if, of you know hijabs and um, and Muslim you know, dress, and then, you know, you have religious shoes and yarmulkes and women with chaitals and things like that. It's, uh, it's a New York moment. You
0: know, it's New York at its best. Very, very interesting. So how many how many kosher food vendors have been in touch with the uh, New York City Public School so far? <laughs> you know what? I'll, I
2: will leave that to the fine people at the New York City DOE and DCAS. I'm, uh, I'm not going to touch the kosher food vendor issue. I'm sure there's wonderful people out there prepared to provide those meals. And, uh can't wait for them to start
0: doing it well your leader executive vice president of the OU Alan Fagan said we believe when the city claims its program serve all students quote unquote all students we have a responsibility to ensure that no one's left out this new initiative will begin that process no question about it. they did really well on this uh the council did well as you said the speaker uh those city council members including Chaim Deutsch, who worked on it uh they really did this was a home run you'd have to say right
2: yeah, you know, I mean, I have to say, this is, this is the first year of the new leadership in the council. Speaker Johnson, we met with him in the fall, before he was speaker, we, we, when this issue was just emerging. He really grabbed a hold of it right away. And between him and Councilmember Chaim Deutsch, um, who we all know represents the community in Brooklyn, um, the two of these new council members, and, and they not only grabbed a hold of this, they were ferocious about this issue. Um, so the community as a whole really owes both the Speaker, Speaker Johnson and Councilmember Deutsch, a tremendous, tremendous um, debt of gratitude and and everything else for what they've championed here. It's historic. Um, and I don't think, frankly, people like the Speaker or like Councilmember Deutsch have gotten enough credit for it. I don't think they're seeking enough credit for it. I think I think we owe them a tremendous amount of, uh, of fanfare here. So. That's just my last minute, my last minute for the end of the July 4th weekend. This is, this is really, this is a big one. Rob.
0: Oh, we totally agree with you. Jake Adler, everybody. He's Teach NYS policy director, of course, at the uh, Orthodox Union. Uh, great news, no joke, a kosher school lunch program is coming to the New York City public school system. Jake, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
2: Take care. and Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom to you.
0: That was my conversation with Jake Adler of the Orthodox Union. Joanna Shepson is next. Fun in Jerusalem is her website, and she has an amazing summer guide with so many wonderful things to do. If you're thinking of uh, being in Israel and Jerusalem specifically this summer, you want to check out Fun in Jerusalem. Joanna Shepson, my guest here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, many of you are familiar with the name Joanna Shepson. She's been a guest of mine before. She's been a guest on other shows, and she very, very frequently is a contributor on Yoni Pollack's Bite Size does a lot of great interviews on the other side of the world in Israel uh, with great people that she meets and wonderful organizations and and cool stuff that she comes across. And she's responsible for a publication that not only is vital to those who are visiting Jerusalem and Israel during the summer, but is available online <laughs> to those who are visiting Jerusalem and Israel during the summer. Fun in Jerusalem, and I will ask her, Fun in Jerusalem, which is available, by the way, at funinjerusalem.com slash summer, funinjerusalem.com slash summer, uh, is a publication that's been given out and given away um, at many, many, many locations throughout Jerusalem for many, many, many years. I don't know if this is the first time that it's available online, but we will find out. Joanna Shepson, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM.
3: Thank you, Nachum. Good to be here.
0: Wonderful to speak with you. We always like having fun in Jerusalem, and everybody out there knows at this point that they can go to funinjerusalem.com for all the information. Is this the first time that the, the big, massive publication is actually available online?
3: So actually, it's been available online before, but it's going to be the second time that it's also available as a WhatsApp PDF.
0: Nice. Which means you can
3: have it directly on your phone.
0: Phenomenal. It's the Summer Family Guide of 2018, I have flipped through it. You know, I guess you could say this about any major city in the world, especially those who concentrate on attracting tourists. It is amazing how many new things there are out there, right?
3: Oh, yeah. And every season, there's like a whole new, like, for example, this season, there's a whole new activity complex being put together at the Montefiore Windmill, which is a place where you've been, but there haven't been tourist activities there.
0: It's pretty funny. I'll tell you. Really cool. Tell me about the tell me about the um the item that I see on the second page of the uh, summer fun guide the Jerusalem City Pass. Is that something that's uh, ideal for the tourists for those uh, who are who are coming after Tishabov and spending time in Jerusalem?
3: Yeah, so this is brand brand new. I mean, they're having the launch event already on Sunday. So I'll have some new pictures up on if you follow us on social media. But the Jerusalem City Pass is a card that you buy before you arrive. It gives you free and free access and some discounted access to different museums. Um, skip the lines at the box office, and if you buy the pass, you actually can get a free ride from the airport to Jerusalem in a special I Travel Jerusalem bus cool. with free Wi-Fi.
0: Very cool. I like that. I'm always amazed. Every hour. I'm always amazed by what you feature. Uh, Gushten, you know, historically not always known, not always known for for fraud and activities, has become one of the most amazing areas to really have fun and plenty of activities. And and based on what I see in your publication, they've just added more and more stuff to do in that region.
3: Oh, definitely! Uh, tourism has been a real focus for them, and they've grown and and the different types of activities, whether it's ATVing, jeeping, bread workshops. Um, the workshop, which is like a hands-on uh, Judaica workshop, uh, winery tours, there's so much going on there. I think you could actually spend two days in the gush and still not see everything.
0: Unbelievable. By the way, I like the fact that you uh, have included information about the parking app in Israel because a lot of tourists don't realize that if they rent a car, they have a very, very easy way, like we have now in New York, but I think they had it in Israel first, uh, to park and not worry about the meters. You know, you could follow the entire thing on your phone, which makes it a lot easier as well.
3: Well, I'll tell you the backstory behind that is last summer, cousins of mine were visiting from the New York area, and um, when he saw me, he said to me, how in the world are we supposed to park? (laughs) And I looked at him, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, there used to be parking meters, and they're gone. There are some parking apps, and they don't take international credit cards. Mm. So basically, the topic of conversation on our tourism WhatsApp group that he had, like with a whole bunch of friends, is how many parking tickets did you get? So I quickly called up someone that I knew at Cela Park and I said, Listen, here's the opportunity. These tourists need to be able to sign up to your app with a US phone number or international phone number and use a US credit card. Right. And they're like, We're on it. And within a month or two, they fixed their app to work for tourists and it's now what I recommend to everyone to use.
0: Oh, so now it's real now it's really easy. Now it's now it's guaranteed that they'll be able to input their credit card information and be able to park uh, with ease. Joanna Shepson's with us, funinjerusalem.com, funinjerusalem.com. How many of these uh, summer guides did you print this year?
3: So we've got 2,000 printed copies around the city. Um, Ask your hotel concierge. Or there are also these new information trucks um, that are run by the city. One is going to be located at the Shuk, and one is at um, Shariafo near Mamilla, and they're going to be they're going to have our magazines as well. They, you'll, you'll spot them because they look like big ice cream trucks, but they actually don't have ice cream, but they do have refreshments and uh, they've got people stationed there to give you advice on what to do in Jerusalem. So I recommend everyone stop by those trucks.
0: And uh, do you think that because you, you as you know, so many of our listeners are going to be visiting you the last week in July and then for the, a good portion of the month of August. Do you think the magazines, the summer guides will still be available around then?
3: Definitely, because I've printed enough and I will reprint and keep filling up um, the supply at the different hotels. I should also mention they're available at the First Station in the Gula Bar and also at the OU Israel Center on
0: Hayesud Street. And I love the fact that I could flip through it as I'm doing now at com slash summer. It's really, really cool to do that. And you said WhatsApp. Do people need to, what do people need to do in order to do that, in order to get it on their phone?
3: Well, that's a tough one. I could say um, they could send me an email at oh. info at funinjerusalem.com. For a moment, I thought of giving out uh, Miriam's WhatsApp, so she <laughs> could send it out to everyone. But let's not do that. They can email me info at funinjerusalem.com with their phone number, and I can send them the WhatsApp version.
0: All right, info. The other option. I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. The
3: other option is, is to go on to the, the funinjerusalem.com dot com slash summer and download it from there but the downloaded version will have links
0: in it right so the whatsapp
3: version has
0: links all right if you want the full treatment everybody info at fun in jerusalem dot com info at fun dot com if you're heading to israel this summer it's a golden opportunity to have the entire pdf of the summer guide that joanna shepson is responsible for at fun in jerusalem and in addition to that a lot of links will be these all the links will be active and you'll be able to utilize those to visit the areas you want to go on the internet to check out the activities for your family. You have musicals here for kids that are being performed. You mentioned the Mount Montefiore windmill. I'm just flipping through as I go. Uh, you have, uh, I didn't even realize that they really have serious horseback riding, archery, lassoing, polo, paintball, all these things that we think are unique to our area. You have it right there in Jerusalem.
3: Definitely with the view of the Jerusalem Hills, so I have to say I think it's
0: better over here. <laughs> yeah, we agree with you. Don't worry, we totally, <laughs> we totally agree with you. You have museum visits that are specifically for the nine days, and of course, can be done other times during the summer as well. Uh, familiar places to us like Enya El uh and others that uh, you know that are basic staples of uh, you know as tourist attractions in Jerusalem continue to um, uh, continue to thrive. And and by the way, I'm saying that. Am I right about it? Are there a lot of classic places? that have not really uh, you know, suffered a downturn but continue to really attract and inspire people each summer?
3: Yeah, I would say what I love the most and what I get to see is that each of the museums that have been around forever in Jerusalem reinvent their summer programs every year for kids. So every place has workshops or theatrical performances or something special going on, like the Bible Lands Museum this year, their exhibit is about Tchelet. The, color, you know, the special blue color, yeah. and, and talking about how you signed it in the sea and it makes it, its way all the way onto the Israeli flag. Or the Botanical Gardens is having a Playmobile Festival, which is great for anyone, no language required. You can dress up as a Playmobile knight. You can fight in the fortress. You can climb on a pirate ship. I mean, that's going to be incredible. That's the end of July and all of August
0: very cool. Um, a lot of people in this audience a lot of people in this audience who like wine you mentioned earlier so many wineries around the country. You have something called the Wine Temple. Now is this a store or is this your traditional wine tasting visitor center type place?
3: So it's a mix of both. It's a beautiful space for events, but it is also a place where they do something called a wine flight, which is kind of like a wine tasting workshop where they can teach you the basics about wine tasting up to, like, the advanced level. And they've got wines from all over the world. Um, They specialize in Israeli wines. And they're located right off Emek Refaim. But if you want to buy a bottle of wine, you can also go in there.
0: Yeah, so for those who, you know, (laughs) those who don't want to really travel to the wineries, they can have that visitor center experience in the heart of Jerusalem, which is pretty cool.
3: Yeah, and the truth is there's so many wineries that are now offering tours, like there's the Tsuba Winery in Kibotsuba. There's Naveau Winery in Mate. There's the Yeke of So anyone who loves wine, um, although it's not really a kid friendly activity, you can bring your kids with. They'll have alternative drinks for them. But um And they can still learn about the process of winemaking. So it's
0: definitely a fun thing to do. A lot of things. I, mean, it's, it's, I could really ask you about every single page in this book. And as you see, I practically am. Uh, I'm going to suggest to our listeners, everybody out there, if you're heading to a Jerusalem at any point this summer, you want to make sure that you go to com slash summer, com slash summer. The Summer Family Guide 2018 is out. It's really beautiful, done very well, with great information about so many different things. Plus, as you heard Joanna said, if anybody out there wants uh, to put the PDF on their phone through WhatsApp and have all the links active so that you can uh, pursue all this stuff further on the internet, uh, she'll be more than happy to send it to you. Just write to her at info at com. info at funindjerusalem.com, and you will have it. You'll be able to share it and enjoy it and plan your trip. You know, there's... There's nothing more frustrating than, God forbid, wasting time when you're touring Jerusalem and Israel. So here, you have an opportunity to really fill your day with great activities with this guide. Wouldn't you say that, Joanna?
3: Yeah, and I think something you mentioned before is so true, that if you have a trip planned in the future, whether it's Hanukkah, Pesach, next summer, the guide's really valuable because the majority of these activities exist all year round. So take a look at the guide and get yourself some ideas for planning your next trip.
0: Phenomenal. Love having you as part of the network. We really admire the work you do with Fun in Jerusalem. Uh, Make sure to send regards to your daughter, Ella, who is one of the stars of the Kosher Halftime Show 2018, and uh, have a great summer and plenty of fun in Jerusalem.
3: Thank you. You too. Thanks to all the listeners out
0: there. Joanna Shepson. She runs funinjerusalem.com, freaking contributor for us on the uh, bite-sized program with Yoni Pollock and uh, somebody who has joined many of the hosts, including myself on prior occasions, to talk about what to do when spending time in the Holy Land. And boy, am I glad we could provide that service. That was my conversation with Joanna Shepson of Fun in Jerusalem. Uh, Ruth Lichtenstein is running an event tonight for Project Witness, a very interesting event in uh, Williamsburg. It's the premiere of a documentary. Uh, Both she and and, uh, the producer of the documentary, we with me recently on JMNAM. Here's that conversation on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Many of you are familiar with the work of Project Witness. Project Witness has been uh, an incredible resource for our community when it comes to uh, publications and textbooks and, and documentaries uh, about the period of World War II with uh, many stories, accounts, and, um, and tales that, frankly... Uh, were either never told before or certainly never told in documentary form. Uh, Project Witness is led by uh, Ruth Lichtenstein, who is the uh, publisher of the Hamodia newspaper and has proudly been uh, leading the Project Witness project for many, many years and has made it such an effective tool when it comes to Holocaust education and making sure that our community does not forget. And uh, we will speak both with her and with Guy Orman, who is the uh, producer of a brand new documentary, which is going to premiere July the 11th, one week from tonight. One week from tonight at the Williamsburg Hotel on Wythe Avenue in Brooklyn. It is going to premiere, and everybody in this audience is invited to come and participate, to support Project Witness, and to be there for this historic event information projectwitness.org projectwitness.org ruth lichtenstein welcome back to jm in the am
4: good morning and thank you Nahum, for always welcoming us in your program yes we are almost there at uh, at our premiere next week in on Wednesday
0: the 11th. Yeah, we got to talk about this documentary. It looks amazing. Uh, so we have Mrs. Lichtenstein with us and Guy Orman is with us who is a uh, a wonderful producer, documentarian. Guy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. All right, Mrs. Lichtenstein, very often. Uh maybe not always, but very often you want to bring stories of uh, World War II to our community which either have not been told or are not well known. This one the documentary premiere taking place one week from tonight is called Rusja, R-O-S-J-A. The subtitle of the documentary is Despite Everything They Survived, Let's Ensure Their Story Does Too. What can you tell us today about the documentary Rusja? So
4: Rusja means uh, actually Russia in Polish. And I will let Guy uh, give more details as he uh, worked more than hard and lived through it in the past nine months. Guy, please.
0: (laughs) Wow. Guy, that's true, by the way, right? As all of us are celebrating uh, Hanukkah, Purim, and Pesach, you're delving into, the uh, unfortunately, the horrors of World War II, right? Correct. As my kids
5: know, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm Mr.
0: Holocaust. <laughs> I always joke with our wine rib when he, when he spent the year preparing his, uh, his Kinnis pr- uh, publication. I said, boy, at all these times of the year that we're celebrating, all you're thinking about is kindness. I'm sure you can relate.
5: I can't tell you how many people call me up for for information
0: to use for their own kinest uh, you know speeches <laughs> 100% <species. laughs> I, I could I could uh, certainly believe that. So it starts a week from tonight. It's called Russia. It's a documentary uh, documentary premiere. What can you tell us Guy, about this story?
5: So this is a story that really has affected all of us in a major way but we don't know about it. Which to me when I when I learned about it, I was surprised why don't we know about the Jews who were deported or saved through or survived through the Soviet Union. Mm. Um, What I learned is that, you know, 70 to 80 percent of Holocaust survivors after the war in the DP camps and stuff like that were people who had this experience of surviving through the Soviet Union, yet we knew nothing about it. So that was a very, to me, that was a very, very clear reason why this is a story that is unknown and that has been largely forgotten. Um, And one of the reasons that this has been forgotten is because after the war, when many of these survivors came back from the Soviet Union and they came back to Poland or to Germany to the DP camps, Um, in other areas they learned the horrors of what had happened and you know under the Nazis because they were in the Soviet Union they had no idea what was happening they didn't have internet they didn't have radio so they learned all these things and they felt a little bit like their experiences were not as harsh or were not as you know they weren't the same and they felt uh, embarrassed maybe so they didn't speak about it so a lot of a lot of second-generation and other, and even third-generation people today, they don't know about their own um, parents or grandparents' experiences because they never spoke about it.
0: All right. Now, okay, so I, I guess I'm one of those who is completely unfamiliar with this because now you've got to straighten out some of my confusion. So we always thought that those who tried to escape to the east were not welcome there. And, in fact, those who did try to escape there and got there, they themselves often... Were the victim of genocide. This 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 would not be completely correct. Am I right?
4: You're right. You're right. Uh, um, in a sense, the Jews who uh, ended in Siberia were right. saved uh, by deportations, but different kind of deportations. Actually, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Actually the Jews who found themselves in eastern part of Poland under the Soviet rule uh, didn't get even like five minutes to answer the question, do you have Soviet passports? Are you ready to stay here? And they were put on trains straight to Siberia to nowhere. We have stories about Jews who landed like 150 miles from Mongolia uh, ended in places that the train didn't go anymore um, or was sent to Central Asia. Some locations are familiar in our memory, like uh, Tashkent really? or Uzbekistan, but we don't know how to put the story together of how what happened here and how Jews from Poland or from Galicia ended in all these uh, locations, by the end of the day, a lot of them died out of starvation, right. out right. of distances, but many of them, uh, lucky we are, survived.
0: All right, so that's, a, so that's I guess, the confusion that, again, we, we think those who ended up in the places you just described you know, likely you know, were killed or died. Uh, this is a story, then, I take it of survival and we you've done other stories of survival incredible ones but we've never heard about those who spent the war years in the very eastern part of russia for instance in very very challenging circumstances who ended up surviving i assume that is the story of russia am i right
5: correct this is that story there was i just want to uh string you know sure. add on to what mrs lichman said is the Jews who were in the <clears throat> sorry the Jews that were in the Soviet Union they had hunger they had disease just like they had right. in the right. camps or in the ghettos right. they had cold which is actually worse the cold was much colder in Siberia and places like that than it was anywhere else right. the only thing they didn't have was 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 systematically being murdered they weren't put into crematory they weren't they weren't put into gas chambers. So Stalin in, you know in a way he wasn 't the same as Hitler because he wasn 't there to try to murder all the Jews, but he was using them obviously for labor and other things he didn 't care if they lived or not because right. so, many of them died but so the, so the the circumstances were not exactly obviously the same, but they were different, but they did survive many of them obviously did die unfortunately through Siberia or being in places like central asia i mean Imagine being like, you know, in Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan or Tajikistan or Kyrgyzstan and these places you would never even think of going to today.
0: Now, I don't know the format of your documentary. Obviously, I haven't seen it yet. But did you meet any survivors from this episode or these episodes who ended up in the United States, Guy? Of course. Our
5: main goal when we do the films um, are not to use archival material in terms of interviews. We don't go to old interviews. We only we try to, for the most part, look for survivors that are alive today who can share with us their experiences. Because, as you know, we're in a rush. We're in a race against time to keep documenting right. um, survivors that are alive today. Right. So my goal and Project Witness's goal has always been: let's try to find survivors alive and get as many as we can now. Because, in hopefully in a long time from now, but you know, whenever it comes that time we're not going to be able to
0: do that anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. Got both um, Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein and Guy Orman with us live via telephone a week from tonight. It's the documentary premiere at the Williamsburg Hotel on Wythe Avenue in Brooklyn of the documentary Roshja. As you heard, despite everything they survived, let's ensure their story does too. You know, Guy, in, in, in prior documentaries, the Project Witness is um, – responsible for we've seen conversations with survivors and they some of them are very very difficult to sit through quite obviously and hearing their experiences are horrifying these survivors now you know are 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 even older than just a couple of years ago are they still able to convey the horrors to the audience
5: um yes there's it's obviously it gets more challenging every year um some of the people that we we filmed and we put in the film are uh, a little, yo- they were a little younger, obviously, because you know they they remember. So they remember certain things from their childhood. The older the person is, the harder it is, 100%. I mean, we had situations where you know we're dealing with dementia or, d- or different things that always makes it tougher. Um, and the research, the research, amount of research that it takes to find people right. is, is is a is a big process. We have interviews from Israel. We have interviews from all over America. We, have interview, we even have an interview that took place in Uzbekistan. Wow. We have filming in Uzbekistan. We even sent a, we sent a film crew to Siberia to, to, film a, to film a labor camp that still exists, meaning the ruins of it. We have reenactments of three of our stories where we filmed extensive reenactments with actors and all types of amazing... Rent, we rented a train. And we, we actually produced a deportation.
0: You weren't there in Siberia, were you?
5: I personally did not go, but we sent, I sent two people from from Ertisra, actually.
0: What did they say about it? What's it like there now? Uh, the guys I sent are, are actually Russian, so they didn't mind the ah. cold. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Mrs. Lichtenstein, I, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. To us, you're one of the people who knows quote-unquote everything about World War II and the horrors of that era for our people. Is there something significant that you learned from this new documentary?
4: Yes. Uh, What we have learned is uh, that uh, we should not give up, even though it was harder than previous documentaries, even though it's not so simple to, to... you know, uh, research and uh, get through to places that they don't have, you know, um, they don't have water systems, they don't have, uh, uh, you know, any technical, you know, advance of the 21st century, uh, but yet we got real stories, and some of them are unbelievable, tragic, uh, showing us where people got what else we have learned is that even though it was so hard uh, about Jewish survival, about stories uh, of uh, spiritual you know, survival, about uh, Bnei Yeshivas who did not end in Shanghai but found themselves in the gulag or found themselves in Central Asia, and how they uh, made it, we uh, I've learned a lot, and something else that I would like to uh to bring to the attention of uh, our listeners and this is let's not forget it's not only that unfortunately we are losing our survivors and they are leaving us let's not forget how holocaust denial is becoming you know stronger and stronger
0: yeah, no question you there hello. Oh boy! Did we just lose them? We're speaking with um, yeah. We did lose them. We're speaking with Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein, the founder of Project Witness, and Guy Orman, the producer of the event. Are you back? Are you are you with us? Yes,
4: we are back. Okay, you go ahead. Just before I wanted to say something very the important. Holocaust
0: denial, right?
4: And this is uh, not only Holocaust denial, but rise of anti-Semitism. We like here at the United States to believe that it happened only in Europe. It's not, my dear friends, it's here in the United States of America. And we believe that we have to do everything in order to bring this knowledge to the younger generation, to ourselves, we have to pay tribute. We have to remember what all these survivors, what they went through, and they went through, and they survived, and they rebuild for us and for our next generation. So let's respect it and remember it.
0: No question about it. Everybody out there is encouraged to be at the Williamsburg Hotel on Wythe Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, one week. From tonight, that's the night that the documentary premiere takes place. It's called Russia Escaping Hitler Was Just the Beginning. Despite everything they survived, let's ensure their story does, too. If you go to the Project Witness website, projectwitness.org, the uh, possibility of buying tickets is right there, or the opportunity, I should say, to buy tickets is right there. Also, there's a donate button on the Project Witness uh, website. Uh, They are asking people to help underwrite and sponsor this event, this very important film, and there are many, many different levels, um, higher levels, and um, and less uh, expensive levels that you can use to uh, for the sponsorship opportunities to support the event. Project Witness has effectively preserved hundreds of Holocaust stories through high-quality documentaries, educational programs, and awareness events that connect with the rising generation of young Jews. Mrs. Lichtenstein, I know this is obvious, but remind our audience why this is a very good time of year to see a documentary like this.
4: Because we are touching the nine days. We are touching, you know, the Hurban of Yerushalayim and of Beis HaMikdash. And uh, if we don't want our children to think about the hard Events that our ancestors and our uh, grandparents and great-grandparents went through uh, that they should not treat it like it's a story from 2000 years ago we should all listen learn and teach the younger generation
0: and this is a good opportunity three weeks nine days a lot of summer camps a lot of different educational programs and synagogues make sure uh, during the three weeks, nine days, and Tisha Bav itself to talk about these themes and to uh, use those days to remember the korban bias, number one, and the tragedies that our people have suffered over the thousands of years. Gee Orman, how long is the documentary?
5: It's going to be bit, it's about seventy-two to seventy-five minutes if you like to watch credits.
0: All right, so it's a real it's a movie. It's a, it's a real presentation here.
5: It's a very real movie, and you know we have a lot of amazing and inspirational, some sad moments as well, and a lot of uh, a lot of new material that people don't know. Um, and one of the main one of the one of the most important lines in the film that someone explains is actually a son of a survivor, where he says that um sir, the holocaust is more than just auschwitz It's more than just ghettos it's anybody who survived either through kinder transport through hiding or through being deported to siberia these are all holocaust survivors
0: unbelievable 100% true 100% true happens a week from tonight everybody if then if you're in the new york new jersey area for July 11th, make sure to be at the Williamsburg Hotel. Get your tickets. Go to projectwitness.org. We'll remind you between now and then to get your tickets at projectwitness.org. And of course, as we always encourage you, you can support the work of Project Witness on the very same website. There's a donate button at projectwitness.org. Documentary is called Roshja. It's an important... They're all important. This one has really touched me in terms of a story. Uh it's so... So out there, a story all of us should know, and uh, unfortunately until now we didn't, but uh, obviously Project Witness is giving us the opportunity uh, to learn more and more about it. Uh, Mrs. Lickens- oh. Mrs. Lutton, Lickens- like, anything else you'd like to add about the next uh, Wednesday night? Uh,
4: before the next Wednesday night, I would like to thank uh, you. I would like, good friend, thank I you. would like to thank our unbelievable uh, team uh, the staff, Project Witness staff, the volunteers, the board, uh, Elisheva Perlman, who is in charge of the premier, and all the good people who are giving a hand, and more than that, giving their heart and time, and are very devoted to our cause. We hope to see you there. We are looking forward to greet you. and. After the premiere, of course, the documentary will go out to local events in different, you know, Ah, locations. But as of now, we are all geared towards the premiere. And we thank the Reboi Nishloylam for giving us the opportunities to get here.
0: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Kolakavod to you. Guy Orman, anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about why they should be there a week from tonight?
5: I think it's a great opportunity to come support an amazing organization that uh, you know there's really no one else doing this type of work, um, and to hear the stories and to learn you know uh, the history of ma- the majority of of the survivors that we don't know.
0: So true. Call like a vote to you. Good luck. Uh, good luck next week, and congratulations on what I'm sure is an unbelievable documentary.
5: Thank you so much. There
0: Thanks. they are, Project Witness. They are amazing all under the leadership of Mrs. Lichtenstein, everything, the the movies, the documentaries, the books, the textbooks, the lectures, all the educational series that really help uh, our teachers out, excuse me, our teachers and rabbinim out there uh, talk about the uh, Holocaust and World War II to their students and congregations, all coming from Project Witness and their headquarters in Brooklyn, New York. And we say kol hakavod to them. My conversation with Ruth Lichtenstein and Guy Orman, uh, with the brand-new documentary, which is actually being premiered tonight in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. That takes care of this edition of JM Rewind. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.